Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back. Today we're going to be talking all about buyers. We're going to be walking you through an overview of a very precise, specific, and proven plan to help you to identify the buyers in your marketplace when you're communicating with them that are, guess what, hidden sellers, but then also to root out of them the ones that have stronger motivation than others. There's a couple thoughts I want to share with you before we get to Julie's first point. Number one, um, there's no such thing as a buyer that has to buy. Now, why am I pointing this out and what does that mean? I'm pointing this out because you've got to understand if you want long-term ever-increasing levels of success in your real estate business, you're going to have to be focused primarily on being a listing agent because, as we remind you constantly on this podcast, there's no such thing as a buyer that has to buy. Buyers can always wait. Buyers can always procrastinate. Buyers can always stay renting, stay living in their mom's basement. They can stay in their old house. And that's what happens a lot of times. So if you're uh, building your business, quote-unquote, Based on buyers, do not be surprised if you experience really vicious ups and downs in your income and your motivation um, because of the fact that you might have three or four great, great buyers. They're going to buy from me. This is where my income is going to come from this year. And then all of them take themselves out of the market because interest rates go up or because some other you know, wind is blowing in the direct in a different direction than it was when they started looking for homes. And then they say, you know what, Bob, you did a great job, but we're going to be returning to the market next spring. And then the next thing you know, you got to rebuild your business again. This does not happen when you're a listing agent, because as a listing agent, we teach you how to focus on finding the sellers that absolutely positively have to sell. In other words, the choice of selling is no longer really their decision. Something external to them is forcing them to actually have to sell the house. So all of you should know by now, whether you're new or been in the business forever, if you have a choice between spending your time working on buyers versus working on sellers, with sellers you have leverage. You take one listing, you take five listings, you know, you have five active listings at all times. It is so much less work to get them to maintain them to sell them than is working with, say, five buyers. For you to sell five buyers, you're probably in this marketplace going to have to have maybe 15 buyers that you're working with versus having five sellers that sell, five active listings. You know as well as I do, all five of them are going to result in you getting paid. You guys get the difference? It is a skills-based approach that we teach in Premier Coaching. Um, and as Julie is fond of saying, working with buyers is physical labor and working with sellers is mental labor. But guess what? It's not that hard. You can do it. That's right. And that said, we know that for about every one listing you guys have, you have between 10 and 20 buyers. Now, how do you know if they're going to buy? How do you well, know whether they have a listing that comes with them? 10 or 20 buyer leads is what leads you meant to say. Is, yes. yes. We hope that they would buy. Exactly. But they, you're calling them leads, okay? So, And that brings up another point, too. Unlike listings, you can have buyers that are really motivated but not qualified. You can have buyers that are qualified but not motivated. So it gets down to one thing. Do you have a buyer's presentation? You can have buyers in this marketplace that are motivated and qualified but can't find a place to buy. Exactly. You were talking about working with five motivated, qualified buyers. And that just the thought of that, how many contracts do you have to write these days to even get three out of five in contract? Yep. Okay, so we're going to talk about why it's so critical to have a buyer presentation so you can sift and sort your buyers, gain their loyalty, and set expectations. So here's a couple of facts. 
Some of you wander around the real estate wild saying buyers are liars. Well, buyers aren't liars. They just have no idea what to expect. They don't know what the correct process is, what to expect from you or what you'll expect from them. And here's another fact. It's not actually the buyer's fault. It's the agent's fault for not educating them on what's supposed to happen throughout the process. This is also why agents don't typically get the buyer agency form signed. Remember that the definition of close, as in closing for a signature, is the logical ending to a great presentation. When you guys get burned by buyers, um, it's 99% of the time because you did not do a thorough job pre-qualifying them and you did not use a buyer pre-qualifying script. But I want you never, please, ever, ever, ever forget what I hopefully uh, passed along to you a second ago, is there's no such thing as a buyer that has to buy. They can always take themselves out of the market. Um, so again, even in that case, you still want to ask them all the pre-qualifying questions because if you don't, you're going to find yourself spending a lot of time with a lot of buyers that never buy and you're not going to know why they're not buying. You know, inventory aside, it turns out that you don't realize that a lot of these buyers really aren't qualified to buy. They were expecting you to ask them questions. They were expecting you to tell them what they had to do to buy a house. And they figured, well, you must be showing them homes because, you know, you must think that they're going to be able to buy a house. Right. They're expecting you to be the professional. You have to follow a proven system. And at the end of the day, that's what's going to make the better quality buyers want to work with you because of the fact that you are indeed a professional. And how do they know you're a professional? Because you're following a system. That's right. So here's the thing. Some of you have tried to have a buyer sign an agreement with you. But if you try to close for a signature on your buyer representation agreement without an actual presentation of why they would want to do that, of course, you'll face rejection and never want to ask again. All right. So what are we talking about? And I'm going to really, we're going to touch upon this a whole bunch of places. For the longest time, Julie and I have been of the opinion that the buyer's agent commission was no longer going to be an entitlement to the real estate transaction. For the longest time, and you guys have been listening to Julie and I for now, uh, you know, over 10 years, we've done over 5,000 podcasts. This is the number one listened to daily podcast for real estate agents of the nation. And we've been coaching for two decades. So you've been hearing, we always say the same thing. We do not believe the buyer's agent commission will be an entitlement. In other words, right now, we are all blessed in the United States. Uh, we can show a property. You can go to the MLS. The MLS is going to tell you what the co-op commission is. And generally speaking, in most markets, it's going to be 2 or 3%. Maybe working with builders, it's going to be more. You just get that by bringing the buyer to the house. Now, a lot of you have wanted to work with buyers because at the end of the day, you could explain to your buyer that it doesn't cost anything for them to work with you because after all, the seller is paying the commission. But it does appear that in the near future, in a market near you, three to five years or less, you're going to start having to, as you do on the listing side of things, negotiate for your commission when working with buyers. And we're not going to get into it on this podcast. Uh, we've talked about this in the past. There's some uh, really some commission litigation that's uh, taking place that is going to definitely change the industry. But it doesn't mean there's anything. Uh, I personally don't think buyer agency is going to be going away in any meaningful way. But buyers agents that don't know how to present the value that they're offering to the marketplace, they're going to go away. So learn how to present, learn how to um, have the output of that presentation be assigned agency form and an exclusive buyer's agency form. In other words, you wouldn't, and by the way, can't take a listing, an exclusive listing without having that seller signing a listing contract with you. You should not be working with buyers that will not sign an exclusive buyer's agency contract with you where they're obligating themselves to you and you to them. Now, for those of you who say, all of my buyers are my centers of influence and past clients and my friends. I never asked them to sign a contract. I just trust them. They love each other. We love each other. We're friends and whatever, whatever. Okay. I get it. I totally do. But let me ask you a question. 
Would you take their listing and not have a listing contract signed? Same people. They have a house to sell. They you're love not, you. They, they're, you're, not, they're, you're not asking them to sign a buyer's agency contract, but you're asking them to sign a listing contract. You guys see the difference? The reason that you're not asking them to sign a buyer's agency contract is because you don't necessarily know how to ask them to sign it without making it feel weird, obviously. But yet, they have a house to sell, and you don't feel weird about having a listing contract signed. Why? Because one, you're required to. The other, you're not. Act as if you're required to when you're taking a listing as you are, and also when you're getting them to work with you on the buyer side. Change your approach mentally and emotionally, and you are going to decide, you are then going to filter and sort the buyers that are the most likely to buy. Remember, none of them ever have to buy. Which is why you need an actual buyer presentation, which specifically addresses several key challenges that agents and brokers have with buyers, such as number one, what is the actual process to correctly even purchase a home? In what order do they need to execute those action steps? Now, we all know that first-time buyers are especially in the dark about what to do and how to act, but other buyers from different markets or countries can also be confused. It's not their job to know what to do. It's your job to set expectations and educate them. By the way, on our, in our premier coaching program, we do have, of course, a buyer presentation. Very, it's not, you know, it's, you have a listing presentation that we also include with premier coaching, but you get a buyer presentation. It's a presentation that you sit in front of this, the buyer or, you know, wherever. You could even do it virtually on a Zoom, I suppose. And you're showing them the process of how to purchase a home. Now, if they've been through the process many, many times, they already know. So you can go through it relatively quick. But what you're doing is you're respecting the obligation and you're respecting the potential commitment they're going to give to you by giving them a formal presentation. And you'll be surprised how frequently they don't know that you can work with builders. They don't know that you're going to seek out inventory of places other than in the MLS. They don't know what you do let alone why you're getting paid what you're getting paid. Just as if you were trying to take a listing, you have to present your value to that buyer just as if you were taking the listing, presenting your value to that seller. Which is why you'll then be able to close for the signature. If you don't have any value to the buyers or sellers because you don't know what your USPs are, we give those to you in Premier Coaching. We've done all the heavy lifting for you. We've created the compelling reason why someone would want to list with you or work with you on the buyer side. And those are all part of our presentations. And that is part of, again, Premier Coaching. Scroll down. The link to join Premier Coaching right now for free is right there. If you're on iTunes, Spotify, or over on YouTube, scroll down, show description. There it is. Click it, join. That's right. And you get all of the buyer mastery with that. Uh, that's the buyer mastery program within Premier Coaching. You don't include that in first level, do you? Not in the first level. They have to get their presentation together first, and then, right. of course, they work their skills up. So you're going to start, what do you do in the buyer presentation? Well, you're going to start by talking about the actual process. Educate your buyer prospects about what is supposed to happen in what order. For example, they must actually become pre-approved. Ideally, get an actual loan commitment from a mortgage lender. Now, if you don't know the difference, then that's another reason to join coaching. And we've done so many podcasts about that. Tons. I, I'll tell you right now, that point right there, if you don't know all the different mortgage products that are out there right now, you are in an amazing disadvantage. If you just know sure. some of the different ways you can get people approved, you actually have, um, I, I mean, you have almost un, an unfair advantage in the marketplace because most other agents... They don't even know, they know nothing about mortgages, but there are so many creative ways to get a buyer approved um, that 
if once you have this knowledge, you're not only going to work with more buyers, but you're actually going to take a hell of a lot more listings because you're going to be able to rain on that seller all your mortgage knowledge to which they're going to be blown away because the other agent didn't know anything about any of that stuff. So true. So Knowledge equals confidence, ignorance equals fear. Yes. You can supply your buyer with a standard list of documents required to apply for a mortgage and the specific lender or lenders. They can add anything particular to them. Your buyer should also be aware of their own credit scores at this point in the process. But do not work with a buyer unless they're sending you um, a letter, and Julie, this is a good time to remind our premier coaching clients yes. that they need to be using the ultimate addendum. And so listen, there's something in premier coaching called the ultimate addendum that we originally designed for our listing agents. Julie's going to describe it in a second, but you can also use it if you're working with buyers to make sure the lender isn't lazy lender, lazy Larry, the lender, exactly. and isn't trying to just do a burn and uh, a churn and burn on the lender's letter. He's actually going to have taken the time to work with the buyer, work with the file, collect paperwork, validate the fact that this person actually has the ability to purchase a home. So describe to them the ultimate addendum. Well, if you're wondering and do a little bit of coaching here, this is more advanced stuff, but here's the difference. You guys use boy plate lender letters. The buyer, the borrower is approved to do this, you know, and here's the name of our mortgage company. That's not enough, especially in a competitive situation. What are the things that cause actual loan commitment, otherwise known as underwriting? So the ultimate addendum gives a specific amount of time to get that all done, or better yet, you get that done ahead of time before you actually go in contract. So the lender says, yes, their credit has been checked. They actually have a job. They have a real down payment. They're qualified to purchase at this price. They've done a three merge credit report. They verified they have the job. They verified that they have the down payment. They verified all the things that are necessary for them to get the loan. In other words, the lender spent time with the buyer, as I said, to actually do the work on the file. Because what a lot of you guys are doing without knowing it is you're working with buyers who have gone online to Rocket Mortgage or wherever and nothing against Rocket Mortgage and they filled out an online form. Maybe they told the truth. Maybe they didn't. And the online form basically did a cursory credit check and spit out some canned lender's letter. And you're working with buyers with those canned garbage lender's letters. That is not good enough. It's not just good enough for you because you're probably wasting your time with an unqualified buyer, but it's putting you at a disadvantage because when you submit offers to those prospective sellers um, and they're trying to decide between your buyer and a cash buyer and your buyer has to get a loan again, but your buyer has this kick-ass lender's letter that has actually verified all of the things necessary for that person to buy a home, then you're going to find yourself operating as if it were a cash buyer. Which would be loan commitment, not pre-qualification, not even pre-approval. It's one step better than that and is essentially just a tick under being all cash. And the only thing, so when you receive a lender's letter, if you got to look for these little trigger words, they still make my skin crawl to this day. <laughs> Look for words, phrases like, and there are a bunch of limey ways they go about doing this, but subject to, there's one, verification of, there's another, and there's other well, ways. Well, they'll just say subject to final underwriting. Exactly. Which Where, means whatever. It exactly. could be anything, right? So what you want a lender's letter to say is the only thing it's subject to is the appraisal of the property. And identifying the property address. Identifying the property address in the appraisal. If you're accepting lender's letters with all of this other crap in it, that is a garbage lender's letter. You're working with Larry the Lazy Lender, and you need to tell Larry the Lazy Lender to get off his duff. Don't be surprised if Larry the Lazy Lender has only been trained to essentially provide these little surface lender's letters because that's how most loan officers were trained. And I'm going to give you guys, again, we're on this because it's so important. Yep. Um, off our script, but here's what's really the takeaway. Lenders are not trained to work the file until you have a contract 
uh, signed by both the buyer and the seller. Lenders are told just to spit out these garbage lenders letters and not spend a lot of time. There are exceptions, obviously. There's great lenders. But for the most part, they will, you know, meet and greet and, you know, hello, how do you do? Maybe it's a phone call. Here's your lender's letter next. And then once that buyer and you has spent countless hours finding that house and it's finally in contract, then that contract goes back to Larry, the lender, and then he actually does the job he should have done the first time. And then you find out basically that the buyer couldn't buy a box of rocks, let alone that house, because it turned out the buyer had all these other problems or their job or something else is going on that Larry, the lazy lender, should have discovered already. Well, take credit, for example. A lot of those online forms just say, what do you think your credit is? Exactly. It wasn't actually checked because you have to give permission to have your credit checked, okay? so And there's many more examples. Again, we're wandering into coaching here. So if you're in Premier Coaching, use our ultimate addendum. If you're joining Premier Coaching, use the ultimate addendum, whether you're on the buyer side of the transaction or the seller side of the transaction. Yes. Now, if your buyer is all cash, they need to secure a proof of funds letter from the entity where their cash is parked, bank accounts, investment accounts, et cetera. Caution. Is it coming from the sale of something that hasn't sold yet? Okay. So there's another little tricky thing. More skilled listing or buyer's agents are going to write lenders, are going to write offers that are not contingent on financing. Uh, or rather they're, how do they, what's the, what's the trick? They're not contingent on. Uh, well, I mean, if they, if I say I'm all cash, oh, that's right. I need to give you a proof of funds letter. Now this is where agents get into it a little bit. They might be uncomfortable asking for that from their is, buyer, from their buyer, which is a mistake. Cause now you're not competitive. If a buyer says, well, I'll give that to you once I'm in contract. Well, what's the delay with that? If they just say, don't worry, Tim, I I'm all cash. Don't worry. Well, they might be secretly selling something that they don't have cash for yet. That, that, okay, so that's the trick. So what will happen is, it, let's just say it from the listing side. You'll receive an offer from a buyer's agent. The buyer's agent will not will say it's just subject to uh, a, you know financing approval, which is all standard stuff. And let's see, even the lender's letter is a pretty good lender's letter. You accept you're in contract. But what you did not know is the financing was contingent on the sale of something else. Maybe it's another home. Right. Maybe it's a double wide. It doesn't matter. So the financing was contingent on the sale of a property and the and, and the your deal was contingent on the financing. So what that agent did is they hid a home sale or a property sale uh, contingency within their lender's letter because you didn't drill down enough in your in your using the ultimate addendum to root out any secret little nasty things that might be slipping by you from your lack of experience. How did we find out about this? <laughs> you want to know? Hmm. Because we received exact scenario that I just told you. I remember the agent's uh, first name. Yeah. I won't say it out I loud. I do too. She, she's still in business, but we received a lender's letter. It was on a really great property. The people were contingent on home sale. We were too dumb to root out of her. It was five contingencies deep, if you recall. Exactly. And she <laughs> did. So she didn't want to disclose all that. So she just said it was contingent on financing. Uh, it was turned out the financing was contingent on multiple home sales. The original home sales, didn't we bring in our uh, hard money guy to buy it? Yes, we ended up saving the day in the end to make five transactions close. Our five transactions. Yes, because we had a, a piece of one or the other side all the way up the chain. And she, But she was the one that was getting... It, she did. Yes. She tricked us into accepting a crappy lender's letter. Exactly. Okay, so... And, and I, I have to say, this kind of advanced stuff that we're talking about, I have been hearing more and more from like my elite coaching clients that have a lot of experience that this is symptomatic of the skilled agents gobbling up more and more of the deals. Because that happened to us in like our second year in the business. So yeah, we got gobbled up. <laughs> well, we did. But then we also learned, okay, so now that's something to watch but out for. But you know what, though? Here's the funny thing. We originally got the framework from the ultimate addendum for when that same agent... I know. Did, yes. 
when we submitted an offer on her listing yep. and she threw that back out at us uh-huh. and that's where we learned. Yes. Well, I used to collect like favorite language for contracts yeah. and that's where I came from. Okay. So again, back to our buyer presentation. The next thing you're going to do, go ahead. It's worth saying a smart man or woman learns from his mistakes. A brilliant man or woman <laughs> learns from the mistakes of others. So learn from our mistakes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. So you're going to sit down with them for an actual buyer presentation, just as you would a listing presentation. You're going to discuss their expectations. What are their must-haves and their would-be-nice-to-have items in their home? Help spouses or partners have a meeting of the minds. What can they reasonably get for their price range and geographic requirements? Create a strategy if they're buying and selling at the same time. Which should happen first? Again, we have advanced coaching on how to handle that. Depends a lot on what the profile of what they're selling is, what their finances are, what their comfort level is. This is a discussion to have before you get them in contract. And again, in experienced agents, you're going to think, you know, there's a, you know, pattern that you have to follow because that's how it worked in the old market. That's how your inexperienced broker, office manager, or even coach told you to do it. Well, in this market, you're going to have to be more creative. For example, maybe that your buyer doesn't actually have to sell their property to purchase another one. You'll did be, you ask? Did you ask? Right. Maybe they don't know that they don't have to. So are you working with Larry the Lazy Lender? Or are you working with a better lender who is actually going to be themselves more creative than Larry? You guys get the point? Or worse, are you thinking because you wouldn't keep your old house or you couldn't keep your old house and then purchase that they nobody else must, right? So don't put your expectations and your comfort level on your buyer. And I'm telling you, financially, see more of that too, financially. Right. Do not put your financially, like some of you guys are, do what Julie just said. I would never do that. Who cares what you would ever do? Ask the buyer what they want to do. They have uh, maybe a pot of gold someplace that you don't know about that they're not going to tell you that you are not really understanding. They don't care whether their property sells or not. They own that house and they inherited $40 million. And they want to know. You don't know. You're just saying, well, I wouldn't be comfortable doing that. Ask them or have a good lender ask them and you might be able to, you will be able to put a lot more creative deals together. Well, and you're going to see a lot more of that with people keeping their low interest rate houses, right? Because they're going to qualify to keep the old house because the payment's so small. It's entirely possible that you're going to see a lot of people with these really ridiculously low interest rate mortgages who do have the ability to purchase something else without the sale of their property and refinance their existing one. You're going to see uh, generationally owned homes. Well, you're already seeing it or we would have more inventory. Yeah, for sure. But it's going to be passing. I doubt it's going to, this is a weird thing. It is, but you know, it gets down to asking a lot of questions. I remember where, where I learned that very point. If you don't ask, you don't know what the heck's going on. We had a first time buyer that paid cash and I will never forget that because my assumption was, She's a teacher. She was like 42 years old. She was doing our normal first-time buyer thing, normal first-time range. And I, you know, asked her these questions. She's like, "Oh no, I've been saving for years for this." Ruth Crow. I'm yeah, I'm paying cash. I, I totally remember. Right, that, but that who was, knew? That was our, like our first year in the business. Yes, yeah. I, and I was shocked because we hadn't come across that before. And she sold us the house, and we still own it. And we do, we do indeed. <laughs> I do remember. Ruth. And it was our listing. Yes, exactly. Yes. Okay. You so re- you realize yeah. that was over 20 years ago. I know. It's a good little house too. <laughs> yeah. All right. So in your buyer presentation, you're going to discuss what will be expected when they find the right home. Appraisal gaps, going over list price, flexibility with closing dates and possession, or maybe not in your market. You're going to discuss what is to be expected. Then after your presentation, after you've gone over all of those things, they will sign the buyer representation agreement with you. And then you start looking for their home, ideally. Now, some people like to do one trip out and then, you know, tighten up all of this. Depending on how you operate, that may be okay, but ultimately you're headed for the agreement. 
Then you write the contract, get it accepted, lather, rinse, repeat. You go pending, you do the inspections, remove the contingencies, and close. That is the process. Note to self, if you are not actually discussing the process with your buyers before you start showing them properties, don't be surprised when you find out they are, A, not really qualified, not really cash, looking in the wrong price range, et cetera, or B, also working with another agent or agents, you're just the showing agent, they plan to actually write it with their friend or their relative or their previous agent, they might see, be going out on the weekend to look at open houses and or new construction without you. Or D, considering for sale by owner in their favorite neighborhood. All of this happens. We're seeing more and more because of this low inventory, buyers themselves are door knocking. Buyer themselves are going to for sale by owner open houses to new construction sites, et cetera. So you are rationalizing not having a more formal approach with your buyers because you don't have enough leads and I'll prove it to you. If you, for example, let's just set aside the example of the fact you'd never list a house without having the contract signed because you legally can't. But let's say that's going to happen with the buyer side, which it is absolutely going to happen with the buyer side. If you have a buyer that will not be actually approved for a mortgage, okay, that's not a real buyer. If you have a buyer that's looking to steal a home and waiting for prices to drop, that's not a real buyer. If you're looking for, if it's a buyer that has unrealistic expectations for their price point, that's not a real buyer. If you're having a buyer, and this is the important one, that's not willing to sign an exclusive buyer's agency agreement where they're working with you exclusively and you will be uh, re you know, paid a commission on anything that they buy and the contract term is for at least six months, that's not a real buyer. The reason that you're not willing to hold the buyers to the same standard that you hold your sellers to is because you do not have enough leads. And that is really the bottom line because you're fearful that if you ask the buyer to sign a contract, for example, where they're going to work exclusively with you, you're rationalizing not doing it because after all, your competition doesn't do it. Is that the real reason? Now, here, I'll prove this to you guys. Just think about this. If you had 20 buyers who you perceive to be great and you put them all through essentially a standard where they have to be completely approved for the mortgage, have realistic expectations. I'll throw another one in there. Not be vindictive jerks, right? People no, you actually seriously. want to work with. Yeah. You know, you have a you have a set of filters that they have to pass through before you give them your time. So if you start out, if you had 20 really great buyers right now, and you asked all 20 of them to go through the process, and uh, you would ask all 20 because you know you'd probably end up with five or 10, but those would be the ones that actually you wanted to work with. But what's happening is, is you're spending all your time and you're going to get burned out by working with people that will never transact. Your job is to sift and sort quickly, pre-qualify, and then frankly run through these filters before you give away your nights and your weekends and burn up your life energy trying to you know, essentially help, help someone buy a house that they're never going to buy. You put these rules in place so they can validate their commitment to working with you and their actual commitment to purchasing a home. If you're not doing that, you're not respecting your time. And they're not going to respect your time either because here you are showing that you're not professional because you're giving away your nights and your weekends and there is no commitment from them to you. There is no professional on planet Earth, not even your bug and termite guy, that would work with you without actually signing a contract. And, and, then, yet, and then you get mad at them when they go do something else. Exactly. And yet agents all over the United States do that on a routine basis. If you want to differentiate yourself in the marketplace, it's not a bunch of videos on TikTok of you eating lunch. It's you having a minimum standard or standards that you make everyone live up to before you actually work with them. You are a professional. If you do not feel like you are a professional yet 
it's because you are not acting like one. Act as if you were by following a proven system. And guys, this is all part of Premier Coaching. Some of you are going to be now somewhat educated. We did not go through all of our points. You're going to hopefully be motivated. And now the next natural step, the action that you should be taking is join Premier Coaching. Scroll down. The links to join Premier Coaching are right there. It takes like three minutes to join Premier Coaching. You have instant free access to the first level of Premier Coaching, including a daily semi-private coaching call with a Harris Certified Coach. You are looking for direction because of this market. What you were doing in the past maybe didn't even work that great then, certainly not working now. This is the next natural step for all of you. You love this podcast. I know you do because tens of thousands of you download and listen to this show every day. That doesn't even include the thousands of you over on YouTube. So the next natural step is to join Premier Coaching. Scroll down uh, and just click the Premier Coaching link or just go to premiercoaching.com. Julie, anything else you'd like to say to these guys? Yeah, don't delay. I mean, working with buyers already is a lot of labor for you. Why would you make it worse on yourself by having a whole bunch of them that you think are going to transact, but maybe they will and maybe they won't? Follow a system and sort them out. You know, I have to painfully say, and full, you know, it, when you're going through your uh, your list of painful things that can happen when you're working with buyers. I didn't even cover all of it. <laughs> yeah, well, we made every one of those mistakes, honestly. Well, that's how we would know. I'll tell. I'll, I'll end the show today with a story. Okay. This is before, because we were blockheads and we weren't using buyer agency contracts. And this was probably our second year, maybe our third year in the business. And we had a really great reload lead that I got from the limited. It was Victoria's Secret or something. Yep. And I was picking, and we were meeting, uh, I'll, t- I'll give you guys all the details. Some of you might appreciate I'm it. I'm reading your mind. I yeah, I know. Well, that's that's why it's so painful. It was, this is like, I mean, this oh. was quite a few years ago, and but it still stings. Absolutely. All right, so I would pick these buyers up, and I'd meet them at the Hilton at New, Al- at New Albany every, uh, like, Saturday. And I'd pick them up in the morning, and I was picking them up at, like, freaking 7.30 or 8 o'clock, and then... Even though I was take, picking him up in New Albany, we were looking over in this area other than New Albany. And so we'd drive out there, we'd look at homes, and every single day, we'd end the day with me buying them lunch. Now, I'm only mentioning that because it's actually funny. So I, it was almost like, okay, it's lunchtime, now Tim, go buy but us lunch. I think lunch. they had to be done by noon, right? Yeah, yeah. They yeah, always yeah. wanted to be back at the Hilton around 12.30 or 1 o'clock after I fed them, of course. So there I am. I did this every, it's like every single Saturday, they'd fly in looking for a house. You and there got, was a lot of prep work and they were spending decent money too. I mean, they, these were like primo reload leads. You know, I wouldn't have minded that so much. Just the fact that they made me buy them lunch. That's still to this day what <laughs> pisses me off. Apparently that's a rub for you. Yeah, it is. All right. So then, okay, fine. I go through the song and dance. I gave away all kinds of time. And this is before I was using buyer agency contracts. This is back when I was a new agent. And then I took them back to our newish agent. And then I took them back to the Hilton. And then I remember I was in the parking lot. I was parking far away from the entrance and I was uh, looking at my mirror as I was having a conversation on a phone, on a phone call. I don't remember, you know, that's all I remember. And I remember looking up and I remember looking in the mirror and I remember seeing one of our competitors uh-huh. pull up to the front of the hotel. Now he didn't know I was there watching. They didn't know I was still in the parking lot. And I watched them walk out of the hotel with him. And so what they were doing, and I confronted them about this, what they were doing is they were working with me in the morning and they were working with him in the afternoon. Now, when I asked them about that, here's what they said. We didn't know that you specialized in this other area. Otherwise, we would have worked for you, worked with you in both both areas. True or false, it was my fault for not actually having a buyer agency contract signed and not actually making it clear that I can show them houses in that particular area. Which is part of the buyer presentation. Which then, guess what? We did, then decided to start treating buyers like we treat sellers. Don't make my mistake. <laughs> yeah, and guess where they bought? 
yes. in the other area. In the other area. They ended up buying in the other After area, all of that work and all those lunches. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So this is why we have coaching. Don't make our mistakes. We yes. can save you from a lot of this. Exactly. So fortunately, we sold, like we were selling between 100 and 200 homes a year. And um, I was a fast learner. So generally speaking, I didn't make the same mistake twice. So now hopefully I'm saving you guys from having make the same mistake in the first place. Remember, a smart man or woman learns from his mistakes. Uh, a brilliant one learns from the mistakes of others. That's a lot of what coaching is. Yeah. And you guys know now what to do. Move forward and join Premier Coaching. In the meantime, thank you for keeping us number one. Let's do daily podcasts for real estate professionals in at least the United States. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.